a top college football analyst had something nice to say about University of Miami head coach Mario Cristobal. But is this just a plain old-fashioned compliment or more of a backhanded compliment? You are Locked on Canes, your daily podcast on the Miami Hurricanes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Alex Dono, your host. I'm a University of Miami alumnus, longtime South Florida sports radio vet, including pregame and postgame for the Miami Hurricanes. Thank you so much for making Locked On Canes your first listen every day. We are available free wherever you get your podcasts and also available free video on YouTube. So whether you're an audio or a video person, make sure you subscribe to our channel. And if you are watching us on YouTube, hit that thumbs up button. Bros, we are 95 days away. It feels like a long time when I say it like that, but the countdown is on 95 days away from the Miami Hurricanes taking the field at Hard Rock Stadium to open up the Mario Cristobal era against Bethune-Cookman. Still plenty of work to do in recruiting. Fall camp hasn't even started yet. So a lot of excitement throughout the summer, guys. And okay, Chip Patterson from CBS Sports, who I consider to be one of the top college football analysts out there in print. and. He has, in my opinion, because I've read a lot of his stuff in recent months, he's got a good understanding and a good perspective of what Miami is doing in football and what it's going to take for Mario Cristobal to get Miami back to the top. So his opinions, I do not find to be misguided, right? He's not a hater. He's not someone who has an agenda against Miami or doesn't understand the culture of Miami football. I do think Chip Patterson gets it. And he put out a piece on CBSSports.com, analyzing the the new hires in big-time college football because the coaching carousel was churning big-time, including our own Mario Cristobal coming into Miami. And he looked at the outlook for the new hires and broke them up in categories, okay? So for his category called most likely to win big early, right? Basically, coaches that are Incredible coaches stepping into kind of turnkey operations that are ready to compete for the national title right now. He put two in that category. Lincoln Riley, who left Oklahoma for USC, he believes USC in that situation is ready to win big right away. College football playoff contender. He says the same thing, actually, for the program that Lincoln Riley left, and that's Oklahoma. Brent Venables, who's now the Oklahoma head coach, he thinks that those are the two coaches most likely to win big early. Now, the next category is where we find Coach Cristobal, and that's most likely to win big later, okay? So you hear that and you say, okay, is that a full-on compliment or is it more of a backhanded compliment? Because, okay, he doesn't think Miami is necessarily ready to do big things right now, but maybe on the horizon, just based on the way some of you interact with us and, and leave us comments and leave us tweets, um, I think most of you probably agree with this assessment. And I agree with this assessment as well. I'm not expecting, you know, I did pick Miami to win 10 games the first year under Cristobal, but I didn't project them to win an ACC championship or get in the college football playoffs. I wouldn't call that winning big, but I do think within the next two to four years, Miami is going to be in position to win big and be in truly in that college football playoff 
conversation. I feel like most of you agree with me on that. I know some of you don't. You think, hey, you're paying this guy over $8 million a season talking about Cristobal. You look at all the coaches he's bringing in, all the transfer guys. We should be ready to win big right away. Um, some of you still think it's 2001. I think it's going to take at least a couple of years. So the two coaches, and this is interesting, the two coaches that Chip Patterson put in the most likely to win big later category are Mario and Billy Napier from Florida. And listen, I think Napier is doing a fine job when it comes to recruiting. They're in a lot of the same battles, Florida. They're battling for a lot of the same players that Miami is battling for. So really... June and July, when we start having a lot more of the verbal commits coming in from blue chippers, we're going to see like how many of these blue chippers are going to choose Miami or Florida. But I agree, Billy, Nap Billy Napier seems to be doing a fine job as well. Uh, but here's what Patterson had to say about Cristobal. There's an argument that Cristobal carries ACC Coastal Championship expectations in year one. Yeah, I think that is a strong argument. Just talking about the Coastal, he says, yeah. However, that's not win-big status when you consider the perceived gap between the Hurricanes and Clemson, even as the Tigers look to rebound from uh, rebound in 2022 after failing to win the ACC for the first time since 2014. Pittsburgh got it last year. He says, Florida, similarly, will require a process to chase down Alabama and Georgia in the SEC and get back to contending for ACC for uh, sorry championships and college football playoff spots the process will include building out depth and player development stacking strong recruiting classes and getting on-field results this fall to build confidence in the program's future uh, he says but the good news for Miami and Florida fans is that there is plenty to suggest that Cristobal and Napier are the right coaches to lead those programs back to big-time success. Both have made impressive investments in their coaches and support staff, quickly making their impact felt long before the first snap of competitive football. If those investments pay off, then we should see both of these proud programs back in the mix for championships in the coming years. Uh, so, okay, a lot to unpack there. And again, I think even just hearing that, you can understand why I say, Chip Patterson has a good understanding of what Miami is building and why Mario Cristobal is the right person for that. Now, as far as my opinion goes on this, a lot of people assume that I have picked Miami to win the ACC championship this coming year. And I understand why you assume that because six days ago, we put out an episode that was called Why Miami Will Win the ACC. But for those who actually watched the episode and didn't just read the headline and comment on it, that was about making the case for Miami, why they can win it, not necessarily why they will win it, and why they can win the ACC this coming year. And they absolutely should win the Coastal, by the way. Miami is the betting favorite to win the Coastal. They have the talent to win the Coastal. I believe the Coastal is wide open enough that Miami should win the Coastal. And if they don't win their side of the ACC, it is a disappointing season, no question about it. But for the conference as a whole, in theory, you can. If things break Miami's way, you get elite quarterbacking from Tyler Van Dyke, who did it for half a season last year. you got to hope from freshman to sophomore he gets even better, can do it for a full season. So if he lives up to that hype, uh, you also should, in theory, improve your offensive line at least a little bit through transfer additions and through improved coaching improve your defensive fundamentals, fewer missed tackles, 
right? I mean, a lot of the defensive personnel hasn't changed, uh, but the coaching has really changed when you have Charlie Strong coaching your linebackers, Jamila Dye coaching your defensive backs, you know, uh, Kevin Steele, who really emphasizes fundamentals and tackling. So you've got to hope that defensively they get a little bit better. Plus, young studs from last year who can step up. Uh, James Williams, Avante Williams, Leonard Taylor, Cam Kinchins, transfer guys that you brought in, Akeem Mesidor, uh, Mitchell Agude, Caleb Johnson at linebacker. You brought in a ton of defensive transfers that I think can impact right away. So you can make the case that Miami, if things break their way, they can be the best team. They can be the best team in the conference this year. I personally am still not convinced that they have the overall depth or the trench play on both sides of the football just yet to do that. So when we had our episode last Wednesday talking about Miami's case to win the ACC and we had our betting expert, Lee Sterling from Locked on Bets on with us to talk about it, we did say that when it comes to the ACC futures odds, we thought Miami is the best pick in that bunch to actually bet your money, right? Miami at plus 500, right? To get a five to one return on your investment, we thought Miami was the better bet than Clemson at minus 140 because you're not getting tremendously good odds there. Uh, so that was why we said Miami is the best bet. I understand why Clemson is the favorite. So I'm not picking Miami to win the ACC, but these last couple of years, I think including this year, it's more open than it used to be. Pitt won the ACC last year. Clemson didn't even get to the championship game last year. I can understand, again, why people are picking Clemson because they seem to have the horses, the depth, and Dabo Sweeney is proven. They did lose Brent Venables, though, so we'll see how big of a factor that is. I'm not totally convinced that Clemson are back, that just snap of the fingers like Thanos, that they're just automatically back. I'm also not convinced that they have a great quarterback. Right, because DJ Wiyangalele did not live up to the hype that he showed in limited action the year prior when Trevor Lawrence was hurt. He didn't look like the real deal last year. So tread lightly, but to kind of put a bow on the Chip Patterson piece, I do not think that was a backhanded compliment. I do not take that as an insult in any way, shape, or form to say that Miami is in position to win big later. I take that purely as a compliment because when you're talking about this coaching staff, Taking over a team that was seven and five last year, that was terrible defensively. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Defensively, they had some players, but defensively, statistically, they were terrible last year. You've got a lot of work to do. Can they make Miami considerably better from one year to the next? Yes. I believe they can make a two to three win improvement from 2021 to 2022. But as far as winning big, and what winning big means, because I consider winning big, winning the conference, being in the conversation for top four at the end of the year and a trip to the college football playoff. Miami, I don't believe is ready to do that immediately. I think it's going to take an extra year or two for that. So for Chip Patterson to say that Mario Cristobal is in position to win big later, I don't have a problem with it. I'm sure Mario probably takes that as a compliment because he understands it's going to be a grind and it's going to be a process and you got to stack recruiting classes and transfer portal classes on top of each other. And they are more than willing and more than capable of putting in the work. We're going to have an interesting take from another top college football analyst when we come back on how Miami and Florida State are improving their fortunes to compete in the ACC. Let's talk about our partners at Bet Online. You know, guys, I mentioned 
I think Miami at plus 500 odds to win the ACC is probably the best bet of the entire mix. And you can check out those numbers and everything else you can think of, including the win total over under eight and a half at our partners bet online. Bet online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. You can find the latest odds, news and sports developments, including this year's this year's basketball playoffs. We're heading into the finals now. Major League Baseball scores, fights and even next season's NFL futures. Bet online is your continued source for all your sporting wagering info from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. Thank you for making Locked On Canes your first listen. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast, the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. It's available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. So Mike Farrell from MikeFarrellSports.com, he believes that both Miami and Florida State have improved their chances in the ACC. Now, I also did, I, Farrell, I don't think is nearly as bullish on FSU as he is on Miami because I, I was seeing some of his analysis recently watching Florida State's starters and returning starters from last year. And, you know, he tweeted about how he wasn't really convinced so much by that group. So I think he's more bullish on Miami than he is on FSU. But he's he considers both of those teams to be squads that are improving, uh, you know, with Mike Norvell and Mario Cristobal, respectively. He says on Miami, Mario Cristobal entered Miami with weaknesses at wide receiver and defensive line. And now the defensive line is a strength, he says. Additions of Akeem Mesador. Uh, and Daryl Jackson are huge for the pass rush as well as stopping the run, and linebacker Caleb Johnson is a tackling machine. Preach to me. Every time I see the phrase tackling machine associated with a Miami player, I get excited, I get hopeful, because they didn't tackle anybody last year. I mean, most missed tackles in the country last season. We need to improve on that. He says the defense has improved enough to make a push in their division. So more, more hopium, as we like to call it, for potentially winning the Coastal. We got some really good questions and comments this week on Twitter and onto our YouTube channel. Uh, this is something I've been wanting to get to for the last couple of days because we've talked on this podcast We've talked a lot about NIL, name, image, and likeness. If you go through our archives, you'll see uh, there's a ton of content there. If you're new to the program, we've talked a lot about what John Ruiz is doing with Life Wallet, what Dan Lambert has done in the past with American Top Team. So we've covered that extensively here on this pod. And Miami Media Associates tweeted to us, he says, how much will NIL play into how well Mario can do, especially with top 200 players? Even the best recruiter won't be able to compete with 40 other teams spending millions on recruiting and portal. It might take five or six million each year, not counting trying to keep the player. NIL is it's a big factor. No one can deny it. Right. You look at, you know, players, big time players like Jordan Addison, who recently transferred. Uh, you know, we've heard rumors of what sort of NIL he was being offered by USC. And the other he ultimately ended up at USC from Pittsburgh. And so, yeah, the NIL money is gigantic. And it's what Nick Saban was ranting and raving about a couple of weeks ago. So it's a huge factor. And the higher profile of a recruit you are, the more 
NIL interest you're going to garner, right? So it is a big time factor. Now, I don't, maybe I was reading the wrong way into his question, but I thought it was kind of implied that he was saying that, you know, NIL is going to put Miami at a disadvantage compared to a lot of these other big programs. So far, we are seeing the opposite. So far, NIL has actually been closing the gap in Miami's favor, in USC's favor, in any big school in the state of Texas, because you see what Texas and Texas A&M are doing, with that oil money churning around there. It's actually helped these programs and a handful of others more than it's helped some of the quote-unquote traditional powers, or at least the powers of the recent years. So um, that's right now. You know, I don't know how much that might change if the NCAA finds different ways to regulate NIL, if they put some kind of a cap on it, if Congress gets involved and tries to diminish it a little bit. Also, we're so early in the process because NIL has been around for about a year that we haven't really figured out really what the free market dictates because like at some point, you know, it's the wild, wild west right now. And we've got like businesses and collectives outbidding each other. Like at what point does it kind of reach the top and they realize we're not getting a return on our investment anymore at these prices and it, the bubble bursts and it kind of, you know, we find a new floor and we work our way up from there. Uh, but no, at, at this moment, it's really benefiting schools like Miami and USC. And I'll, I'll tell you why. Um, Big cities with big-time money and big-time businesses, you're closing the gap compared to, you know, the schools like, you know, the Alabamas of the world who've got Michigans of the world who've got big-time alumni bases who have been making donations above board and, listen, sometimes the under-the-table stuff that nobody likes to talk about, but we know it happens. So when you're talking about, like, booster donations – um, when you're, you know, a bigger, older university giant alumni base with a lot of like booster money, uh, it benefits schools like that. But when you talk about NIL and you talk about actually making investments, the boosters who are just donating for the sake of spending money to make a football team better, they can only spend so much because they're not getting a return on investment. And when you've got business people like the Ruizes and others who actually have businesses that they are advertising and they're putting players on the payroll to market their businesses, they're spending money to make money, okay? And they weren't big in just the booster game, the donation game, because that's not an ROI. There's no return on investment for that. But now that NIL actually gives you a return on investment because you're advertising products, multi-million, sometimes multi-million, uh, multi-billion dollar businesses. And, you know, uh, the, the company that owns LifeWallet is now publicly traded uh, sec approval and all that so so no i i don't look at nil it's 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 wild but i don't look at that as any sort of a disadvantage for miami at least as not for right now it's actually helping miami and it's hurting a little bit i mean i'm not gonna say hurting but it's closing the gap it's allowing schools like miami and excuse me usc to actually close the gap from some of these like more recent traditional powerhouses so i i hope i hope that explains that uh this was a good question from or a good suggestion i should say from sigmund who's one of our new youtube subscribers thank you so much for coming aboard he says uh he was commenting on the show that we did on monday uh, about recruiting with brad tejeda he says hey 
if we can do a show about cornerback recruiting later this week, he was asking CBs. Uh, and you know, I'll answer that. Yes. Uh, we're going to be doing another recruiting episode this week. We do at least two a week on recruiting. We're going to have John Garcia Jr. on. He usually joins us on Fridays. I think he's joining us on Thursday this week. And yeah, I'm going to lead off with him talking about corner prospects. I'll talk a little bit about it right now, just so you guys know kind of the landscape. Uh, it's a little bit sparse at the moment, but obviously a lot is going to change. It's still so early in the process between now and early signing day, a little over six months from now. So right now, Miami has no verbal commits at corner. They actually only have five verbal commits for the class of 2023 right now. Their class is ranked like something like 35th in the country. But again, it's doesn't really, the rankings right now don't really matter. It's so early. Uh, so they have 29 offers out at the cornerback position. And put a little asterisk by that because those are players considered to be corners. There could also be some athletes in the mix who will end up playing corner or players maybe lifted as, listed as safeties who can play both. But right now, Miami has 29 offers out at corner. Only two of them are considered to be warm interest right now. And that's four-star Damari Brown from American Heritage. I'd love to rebuild that pipeline to American Heritage. Uh, he's the 23rd ranked corner in the class of 2023. Also, Miami is considered warm for the top corner in the class, period. That's five-star Cormani McLean. He's from Lakeland, Florida. Uh, the rest of his top five are Alabama, Florida, Michigan, and Ohio State. So this is one of the most sought-after players in the country. He's got plenty of options, but... Miami is considered warm for him, considered to be one of the top five for him. So, uh, you know, the Hurricanes are, are considered to be in the mix for a couple of the top corners in the class. And, yeah, a lot can change between now and December and then February, which is the final signing day. So, yeah, we're going to have plenty to get to. And, okay, some people are already freaking out about the way recruiting is going for the class of 2023. I'm going to tell you guys why you shouldn't freak out. Thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen every day. We're available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. So I've seen some folks on social media and, you know, I'm, I'm very much in a Hurricanes bubble, especially from the Locked on Canes Twitter account. And make sure you follow us at Locked on Canes. We will follow you back. I follow a ton of Miami fans college football analysts, recruiting analysts, and I've noticed a lot of folks out there who love the U are getting worried or wondering, should I be worried about recruiting battles for the class of 2023? Are we getting enough local kids? Are we getting enough of the blue chippers that you know we understood with Cristobal coming in, we're going to get blue chippers left and right? Should we be worrying already about recruiting? The short answer is no. Uh, I'll give you the longer answer. Yeah, Miami only has five verbal commits for 2023. We're over six months away from early signing day. Uh, there are, and this is why you shouldn't freak, it's May 31st right now, okay? We've gone through in recent episodes how many dozens of official visits that are happening in the month of June. You've got some of the best players in the country who are going to be on campus in the month of June who have not made up their minds yet. So way too early to freak out. You've got five stars, four-star blue chip guys that have Miami in their finalists, but 
people are freaking out because we're in we're in the finalist list for a lot of players. But, you know, you go by the crystal ball projections and the percentages on all the recruiting services. And, you know, most of these top guys are not actually projected to pick Miami, even though they have Miami in the finalists. It's freaking some people out. First of all, when it comes to players like, you know, Jaden Rashada, Nichols Harbor, David Hicks, who, you know, have Miami listed in their finalists but are not projected to pick Miami, uh, you got to remember something. First of all, the Miami of the last several years would not even be in their finalist list, right? Like these players would not even have Miami on their shortlist in the first place. And second of all, until they actually make their official and okay with, with Rashada, I don't think he's scheduled to make an official visit. I think we're still trying to lock that down, but with these other names who are scheduled to make official visits, we can't jump to any final conclusions that they won't pick Miami until they make their OVs and opinions can be changed or opinions can be solidified. So do not freak out about that. Um, so something else. Remember, we had a recent comment uh, that we read on a show two or three days ago from GR who said, hey, we are getting way too hyped and excited for Cristobal, Alonso Highsmith, Dan Radakovich, what they're building, how they're revolutioning Miami, revolutionizing Miami football. He referred to it as media BS, right? He basically accusing people like me not having enough of a wait and see attitude, okay? Uh, that I'm jumping to conclusions about how good the team is going to be. I asked you guys when I read that comment, and fair play to him. He's entitled to his opinion, uh, and I get it, right? Fair play to him. But I asked you guys if you agree or disagree with GR, and someone did agree. Uh, Dennis said, I'm agreeing with GR because most fans get excited over nothing every year, and every time Miami brings in new coaches, we get too excited. Okay, a wait-and-see attitude is fine because the bottom line is this group of coaches haven't coached a single game yet. I get that. Like, I'm not proclaiming any national championships just yet. A wait-and-see attitude is fine. But when you're talking about us overhyping the situation, this is not me trying to sell you Al Golden or Manny Diaz. We're selling you Mario Cristobal, Alonso Highsmith, Dan Radakovich is your AD, coaches like Josh Gaddis, Charlie Strong, Kevin Steele, You've got Jason Taylor on your staff as an analyst. The list goes on and on and on. It's apples to oranges because we're actually playing with the big boys now. So, okay, I, everyone is entitled. You're entitled to a wait-and-see attitude because you're not wrong, right? Over the years, we got super, super excited when Mark Richt came in, right? Maybe this is the guy we need to bring us back to national prominence. One really good year. Uh, got to the ACC championship, but no, I mean, not the kind of winning we were hoping for. And then it, you know, regressed again under Manny Diaz. So, yeah, we've hyped it before. We've acted like Miami's getting back to the top and they haven't. But you have to understand that this is different. This is different, right? Wait and see attitude is fine. But the investments that are coming in, the investments of people and the investments in money that are coming into this program, this is different Hyping up what's going on right now is not the same as hyping up Al Golden. It's just not the same thing. So huge shout out to everybody who tuned in. If you're watching on YouTube, thumbs up, hit that like button. If you're listening to us, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, make sure you subscribe and make Locked On part of your day every single day. 
Thank you so much for doing that, for making us your first listen. Now make your second listen to the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast. Raphael Barlow, Richard Stamen, Sam Ferris, Leif Tulin, they give fans an in-depth look into the biggest prospects, the latest player rankings, and, of course, big boards. Follow Locked On NBA Big Board every day on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. We will talk to you guys again tomorrow. June is coming. Official visit season is coming. We will be back tomorrow for another episode of Locked On Canes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.